Well, M. Night Shyamalan has certainly entered a new era for his career. Uh, in a film that combines both his fear of old people from The Visit and the sense of a crisis that those in the midst of it can't understand, such as in The Happening, we get old. Old is uh, directed uh, and written by M. Night Shyamalan based on a graphic novel titled Sandcastle by writer Pierre Oscar Levy and artist Frederick Peters. Uh, the film centers on a family that is on a tropical holiday and they are recommended a secluded uh, beach by the resort that they're staying in. Uh, while they hang out at this beach, they begin to discover that there are some sort of strange properties uh, in this location that cause them to age at an extremely rapid rate, leading to fears of death occurring by old age in a moment of hours. So, Ariana, we both watched old M. Night Shyamalan's newest movie, and what did you think? It was not good. And not even it's, like, so bad it's good. <clears throat> it was just not good. I definitely agree. It was... I went into it hoping we would get something akin to the happening that was just a train wreck. You were, like, really excited yeah. for it. You were, like, I was not looking forward to it, but for some reason, you were eager to see if I would yell, like, other times when I've watched a M. Night Shyamalan movie. And in this one, I was just bored. Yeah, it felt very... Um, straightforward surprisingly there's a twist at the end which we'll talk about in a little bit but it just felt very shoehorned into the story as yes. in order to give an explanation yeah and there was like that raised a whole bunch of other questions on its <laughs> own um so would you say the film was effectively i wouldn't say this is a scary movie by any no. means was it unnerving or creepy it had only very few times that you could just be like, oh, that's a cool concept. But it's other... Why isn't that? It just really failed in so many aspects. Because the premise isn't inherently a bad premise. Like, it's... I was saying earlier to you that it felt like he took a concept for a Twilight Zone episode and stretched it to two hours. Yes. And that's where the film really shows because they just keep showing you different ways in which they're aging and having characters react in surprise and there comes a point where it's like okay yeah we everybody should understand what's going on at this point mm -hmm. um he creates ways to keep them trapped in that location yes um that aren't ever really explained no they're just kind of like well they just can't leave because mm -hmm. of there's like certain theories thrown out yeah but it felt yeah it definitely felt odd um one of the things i've noticed about Shyamalan in movies like the visit in particular yeah and then you see it a little in the happening is character performances that just read as completely unnatural but it doesn't necessarily feel like they're believably unnatural, if that makes sense. It feels like bad acting rather than yeah. someone giving, like, an eerie, creepy, uncanny performance. Yeah. Um, the cast, I should note, is it's good actors, so you would think that you would get something good out of it. You have um, Gail Garcia Bernal and um, Vicky Crepes. 
I believe her name is, as the uh, husband and wife of the main family in the story. Yes. Um, their children are played later in the film as they age up by um, Thomasin McKenzie, the, I believe she's a New Zealand actress. Yeah. <coughs> who I really enjoyed in um, Leave No Trace, okay. where she plays the daughter of the homeless veteran in the yeah. Pacific Northwest. I thought she did a great job. I she's, think she was also in Jojo Rabbit. Which I have not seen. And I know yeah. she's going to be in Last Night in Soho. Yeah. Uh, and then the son, when he's aged up, is played by Alex Wolfe who I wouldn't say I necessarily am a big fan of his, but I did enjoy him in Hereditary. I yeah. Think he's good there. Um, uh, surrounding them, you have actors like uh, Rufus Sewell, who's a British actor. He plays uh, the patriarch of another family. Uh, his wife is played by Abby Lee Kershaw, who people might know from Lovecraft Country. Uh, their daughter, when she ages up, is played by Eliza Scanlon, who I don't know where I've seen her from, but I know her she face. She was in Little Women, and yes. she was also in uh, Sharp Objects. Okay, yeah, I definitely remember her from those. Uh, and then you have a couple, a childless couple, played by uh, Ken Leung and uh, Nikki Amuka Bird, who's a British uh, actress. actress who I've seen in a few things. Um, oh, and then Till, I don't know if she's related to Tilda Swinton, but the girl who played the daughter before she ages is Alexa Swinton, so I don't know. Could be. Okay. I, don't know. I just don't feel like Tilda Swinton will let her kid in this movie. <laughs> uh, and then, of course, she M. Night Shyamalan gives himself a very important role in the yeah, movie. Yeah, a little bigger than it needs to be. Yeah, it's not a Hitchcock cameo where he just passes by the camera. He is the driver of the shuttle at the yes. resort and has multiple scenes in this movie. Yes, uh, so it's a little bit of a bigger role yeah. than maybe we would have wanted him to. Oh, have. I forgot. Uh, Aaron Pierre, who is was in Lovecraft, or not Lovecraft Country, but um, the Underground Railroad, who plays yes. Caesar, plays mid-sized sedan, who is a famous rapper, uh, yeah. who is also at the beach. Uh, it's there was just something about the delivery of the movie. Mm-hmm that felt off from the get-go. There's like an artificial cheapness. Yeah. Um, so one of my problems that I realize with old, and this correlates with the happening, is a couple who's in the midst of like perhaps breaking up or having major issues suddenly in the middle of this and in it, and then suddenly being okay despite everything during this, which is... Like, with old, it's supposed to be years are passing by within almost hours. Because I think they calculate it, and it's... I think they say every hour they age, like, five years or something. Something about that, yeah. yeah. And I... I have a lot of questions for M. Night Shyamalan in one of the issues that uh, people have talked about this in the past. He seems to have a big problem about diversity in his casting, despite the fact that he is like Indian American slash Asian American with midnight what what was it mid-sized sedan like oh yeah that does he have a love slash hate relationship with like hip hop and rap because when you look at like the visiting the visit, there is kind of making fun of rap music by and also like kid. the name of the rapper and then the rapper turns out that he had been there with some 
woman and we're not really sure what the relationship was. Well, there was. was no relationship between the two of them. It was supposed to be the fact well, that... Well, we, we haven't gotten into the spoilers yeah, part. That's it's, spoilers, yeah. It's just, oh my god, it's... But it does feel like he has, like, not very little respect for hip-hop music. Just in the little bit he's touched upon it. Yeah, and in then, the movie, In his movies. It and does, it feels yeah, I'd be interested like to know. he brought in, like, the childless uh, characters to just be like, see... See, I'm diversifying, but it's it's such an empty gesture. Like we don't really get to know these characters well, very I've, well. I also think he has a problem with um, economic diversity. Every f- like family he ever really shows, especially more recently, is sort of upper middle class. We don't really yeah. see families that are, like, working class. Well, like, in the visiting, it's, like, this weird implication that the mom has cut herself off from her parents and then, like... But, like, the kids... Has a, you, like, has a... Reunites with them to let the kids stay over, but at no point is, like, hey, let me go talk to well, mom that's a whole dad. other and movie. And that's a whole other movie. It, but it, I would say, like, we're seeing a family that can afford to go on a vacation to some... I don't remember if they ever told us where in the world it was. It seemed like it was in the Pacific. Yeah. Um, this resort that's very high-end. There was a weird comment they make early on where Gil Garcia Bernal is like, oh, this place is amazing. And uh, Vicky Crape says, oh, I found it online. No, can, can't, you can't you believe, believe I found, found it online? online? And we were like, isn't that where everybody finds their vacation Yeah, from the modern I mean, day? Like, like, it doesn't make any sense. Are people going to travel agencies still? <laughs> like, you well, get it's online. Well, not even, like, pri- like, travel agencies or not. Like, you didn't, by chance, like, share with your husband the information about, like, the vacation that you're sharing. Yeah, that's another thing is... The dialogue is so exposition heavy that adds to the unnaturalness of it and not in the way you would want for something that's like a borderline horror movie. Yeah. Where you're like, I wouldn't mind if, you know, characters are a little off or a little weird, but this is so like clunky and awkward and, and doesn't feel, it doesn't flow in Not any only way. are the adults' dialogue as clunky and awful, oh, the yes. children' dialogue. Yes. And I know like you had a bigger issue because. You've been around kids. Like, your whole career has been talking to children. I've seen you, like, just decide, I'm not going to talk to the adults. I'm interested in what this child is into, like, to get, like, to see, like, what their perception is of life. And the one kid is obsessed with knowing addresses, careers, occupations, and their first and last names. Like, he memorizes them. But it's weird because there's a scene where... Early on in the film, they're at the resort, and it's just sort of like a pool. Mm-hmm. And he just goes up and asks these three people, and they all give their information without any sort of hesitation. Well, it's like I'm so and so, I'm a but dancer. That's also used to reveal that one of them is a police officer. Which in the end of the movie, they go back to that person to get help. So it's oh, it's supposed to be like the kid rattles the same information, and that guy goes like, oh yeah, that's him. <laughs> and so once again it's another it's an example of like clunky screenwriting where you shoehorn this scene into your movie because you need payoff you needed a way out at the end so to sow the seeds of that you're gonna just throw this scene in near the beginning yeah and it's not gonna flow or work but it's like mechanically you need it there for this thing to work well it's also like this weird thing that you are putting within this child like um Basically, the, the miraculous autistic child that they like to put in movies, which people have said, please stop doing that. Not all autism is mem- memorizing shit And I like can this. see that character possibly being coded as on the spectrum. 
Yes. Because there's like no sense of social cues from this kid. Yeah. But then at the same time, it's also the case of not a lot of people, and especially M. Night Shyamalan, know how to write anybody well. There's much like less. no stranger, children are much harder to write. Like there's no stranger danger. There's never like a moment where they're like telling the kid like, "Hey, come back here." And I'm not saying that Alex Wolf was bad in this film. I feel like they just purposely casted him because of his mole. Well, it's like a very... It's an identifying mark. And yes. both the younger version and eventually older versions of him yes. have that mole. So yeah. it's a cue, visual cue for the audience to go, oh, I know which character that is. Curly hair with a mole. That, yeah, that's curly the hair mole. <laughs> uh, And that will differentiate him from other characters. Um, there... I get the strong sense that M. Night Shyamalan is a very ageist, ableist person. Well, that's how I felt the moment that I saw the trailer. Yeah, and especially after having seen The Visit, where they're not just old, but they also are suffering from dementia. Yeah. And it's presented as horrific and disgusting. Yes. And in this movie, it's the same thing, where... Or people who have dementia, or as they get older, they're more dangerous. For example, like Rufus Sewell's character is a very wealthy doctor who's there mm. with his family. And as he's experiencing aging, one of the things that starts to happen is early onset Alzheimer's begins to manifest in him at a hyper-accelerated rate, yeah. which leads to him becoming like the immediate villain in the movie. Villain and also racist. Yeah, he's racist, <laughs> and then he has a pocket knife with him, which becomes this like deadly weapon. And it's all presupposed upon the fact that he is going through dementia and i get yeah dementia can be a complicated thing to deal with and people can become a danger to themselves and others but the film uses that in order to create tension and fill in the spot of like a traditional villain yeah and that just seems really gross <laughs> that he would do that well um so let's like all right let's talk about the couple which just seems Super weird, the main couple. Okay, so, so, so the, the main couple, that's uh, Gail Garcia Barnall and Vicky Crapes. Okay, mm -hmm. so they both have accents. Yeah, and, and they're, they, they're basically using their n normal accents. I think he is Mexican. Mexican, and then she's Dutch, maybe, I believe. Yeah, and so they both have accents, and their children have no trace of accents. There's never a moment where, like, neither of them go into their native tongue to talk to, uh, like, either of their yeah. children. And I so, think they, they do indicate they they live in the States. They live in Philadelphia. Oh, Don't yeah, forget Oh, yeah, that. I forgot. Yeah, everybody lives this in Philadelphia. This is, like, not the film that was based in Philadelphia. This is based somewhere else, but they obviously needed to be in In M. Night Shyamalan's world, all important people are from Philadelphia. Um, so... They okay, so like I think he does risk assessments. Yeah, he's like a uh, an an insurance adjuster. So he like they make and so obviously they just make this person very like into the moment of being someone who just like does not want to take risks. Well, like his dialogue is he rattles off the chances of something happening. It's yeah. very one dimensional. Writing. Yes, it's very much like oh, I need to establish that he has a character trait of examining risk. So I'm just going to have him blatantly say, well, the risk of that is blank percent. 
yeah. and do that multiple times. And then when we see like the next family, they have a younger daughter, um, and the wife is telling the daughter like, "Don't hunch over, like you'll get a hunch." Blah blah blah. And, and she so, looks like a supermodel. She looks like a supermodel. She's much younger than her husband. Yes. So it's very clear, like, oh, she is very into her looks. So yes. we have everything she do but, centered around her looks. But this was the only character I felt that had any sort of like dimension or interesting in any ways, and they fucking ruined her at the end. Well, it was the scene that involves her daughter. Yes. Because we'll, we'll tell. Now we're in spoiler territory. Yes. So at a certain point, and we're gonna get into. Oh wait, wait, wait! We forgot like the other couple. The 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 uh, it's Ken Leung and uh, Nikki Amuka. So she has a seizure in the middle of uh, breakfast. Breakfast, mm-hmm. and she's apologizing to everybody for having ruined everything. And he happens to be a nurse. He happens to be a yeah. nurse. The the like the guy from the other family who's who has a young, much younger wife happens to be a, a doctor. doctor. Yeah. So he runs over. They're both sort of having a dialogue, and he explains, "Hold up, I'm an ER nurse." She has seizures and he's all the married time. To her, so he's he married to her, so he's kind of like, "This isn't an emergency," but he's telling him, "Like, I got this. Don't worry about this." And then this is when we're gonna go into spoilers. They tell the family, "Hey, there's like, we're gonna send you somewhere very special, guys. It's a private island." And well, there's a character like, that's yeah. introduced who's, I guess, kind of over the island. Yeah. Uh, and. Our like resort. I don't know exactly where they are, but he suddenly tells um, Gail Garcia Bernal's family, like, "Oh, we've got this secluded beach, so we'll set up a trip to take you there tomorrow." Yeah, and it's you know, it's like a nature preserve. When they get there, there's like a, it's fenced off and everything. But let's also not forget that there is a little Indian boy who um, befriends. I think he's like South Pacific Asian. Yeah, Asian uh, boy. He who's... befriends. Um, uh, the young boy that's yes. Garagos Sabernal's son. And he's lamenting the fact that he doesn't have any friends. He lives in this resort, and they're kind of like... He appears during breakfast, and they're like telling him, go back inside. And you're yeah, like, and it's weird, because I'm like, is he the son of the man running the resort? Or is he just this no, kid? No, like, he... It's his uncle. Oh, his uncle's the one that drives the shuttle, and Night yes, Shyamalan. remember. Oh, God. And so the kids are communicating in code between each other, so they've already... Once again, that's another, like... Oh, we need this thing to happen in the third act, so we're going to so. set up a thing in the first act. So the the mm-hmm. Gil Garcia Bernal's family shows up, and then shortly thereafter, we have Rufus Sewell's family shows mm-hmm. up. Yes. And then shortly after that, Ken Leung and his wife show up. Yeah. So and we have all th- these three families all here mm-hmm. beginning to experience. And when they arrive there, already is mid-sized sedan, the rapper. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, who's suffering from a nosebleed. And we see him earlier in a scene bef- that establishes this beach where Midside Sedan is sitting there and then there's some other woman yeah. who never has an, a line of dialogue who like strips and then skinny dips. And then whenever all of these other families show up next morning, the little boy comes across the body of this woman. And she's just dead. Mm-hmm. But she doesn't look aged. And slowly but surely, one of the things they find out is that, oh, she had some sort of, like, chronic health condition. She had MS. They both had yeah. MS. And so she just died in the water. Mm-hmm. Then um, Mitzayz Dedan also learned that he has multiple sclerosis. And that's possibly why the nosebleed is happening to yeah. him. Um, but then, like, the film has these two things going on where it's, like, the adults going through the effects of 
like old age and then the kids becoming young adults at a hyper accelerated rate yeah because it's supposed to be like they're not noticing what's going on because they're already adults but with the kids it's a little bit more obvious and quicker because they're younger and so one of the things for anybody that saw the trailer is you do know that one of the children when they become of adult age end up pregnant Mm -hmm. and that's one of the things i wondered watching the trailer is well how is that going to happen (laughs) so apparently it's alex wolf's character and eliza scanlon's characters Mm -hmm. who start out as like seven and six within a few hours on the beach are now in their late teens yes and are by themselves in a tent that has been set up Mm -hmm. and end up having sex yeah and eliza scanlon's character is going through pregnancy within like an hour yeah, they basically said within 20 minutes she already was, like, fully yeah. digested, uh, like, uh, she, came to term. Yeah, that, so she's, like, at the end of her nine months in that amount of time, and yeah. she's ready to give birth. Uh, and then they do a thing where, you know, the baby is born, but dies within seconds. And it does, that does make sense where it was, the baby was put down on the towel for just a few seconds, but they didn't think of it in terms of the way time operates on the beach. So that baby was basically exposed to the environment for weeks it was like supposed to be like lack of attention yeah and so the baby dies because it's not being fed like and the thing is like it's all these things that you don't think about right so that, i give them that's clever and that's the moment where abby lee kershaw's character she's so concerned about her daughter being pregnant and having yeah. no psychological understanding so like what's going on is when they try to leave the island through where they came from they keep blacking out and like appearing yards away sort of from like the entrance electromagnetic thing yes yeah and so they've already tested test this multiple times. And she freaks out when she realizes her daughter is, like, giving birth. And needs and medical she, attention. Medical attention. And her, you know, her daughter's crying for her, but she's like, I need to save my child. And boom, like, she runs. Like, that's, the, I thought this was, like, very interesting. She doesn't even think about the fact that they know she's going to be held back by the barrier. Yeah, she just goes, and it's sort of like... She gets lost in there, but her concern is her daughter, which is, like, we don't really see the parents that concerned. They change, like, their swimsuits because they're, like, okay, you're growing and blah, yeah. blah, blah, And there are a few times that the parents are, like, what? what? That's they not They seem bewildered. Yeah. But I'm, like, if my fucking kid is aging into a young adult in a matter of yeah. hours, I'm going to be losing my but shit. But I think what was like, really fucking weird was the fact that they just took their eyes off their kids when they know this is happening. Yeah, all the adults are, like, gathered on one end of the beach. Yeah, and so, like, um, the oldest daughter stays with them. But that's when the two youngest are, like, left in this tent, and we see them talking to each other. And they're not talking to each other as adults. They're talking about how they missed out on prom, which I don't know if a seven- or six-year-old knows what prom is. That's another thing that the film left me confused about was, what are the mental capacities of these children? Because we see um, Rufus Sewell's character go through dementia, Mm -hmm. which is caused by aging. And doesn't rely on experience, right? It just yeah. happens to you. Yeah. But the thing, the, like the mannerisms and demeanor of the children as they age, that relies on exposure to certain behaviors and like socialized norms, mm-hmm. which they're not being exposed to. So they should behave like six and seven year olds. Yeah. And so um, 
It was kind of just uncomfortable at times. Yeah, I feel like the the sex and pregnancy thing was very out of place. Yes, because I it's we're not like I am not saying that like there's been psychological things being like said that like children do have sexual attractions at a very young age. Like, but, but like to act on it, to and act understand on it, how to do it. I feel as if like they would just be so anxiety ridden. Like there is never a moment of being like, oh, what's that about? Like also losing your virginity kind of hurts. Well, then also there's no moment where we see. Okay, well they're experiencing a surge of hormones in a very short amount of time. Yeah, and seeing them ha- go through like some sort of like mental breakdown mm-hmm. seems and like so, that would have made and sense. So like. They apparently, like, are just staring into each other's eyes and deciding, like, they're going to have sex. In the meantime, the mom of the main family, Vicky, uh, it has a tumor within her that's growing. And she falls over because of the pain. And they, like, operate there on... And I thought that was a... I did like the little detail of every time they cut into her, the body was healing faster than they could Yeah, that was a cool idea. That was a cool concept. But my problem when it came to it was like, okay, so you're saying that, like, for example, they put the baby down, within a few seconds the baby dies. But if you're having everybody's fingers inside of her, would she have an infection? Um, Well, I mean, they do mention something about alcohol. So I think maybe they, like, sprinkled some of the alcohol in the picnic basket on their hands. But it's still just, like... But you would think that would wear off really fast, right? It's also the fact that it's an open wound, and it's there, and it's like... So there's just, even if you're, like, going with supernatural, it's supposed to be, like, so the reason why this family, like, the parents were arguing and the children are obviously fucking listening. They're acting as if, like, it's not, like, they don't know what's going on is because there is a risk assessment as to what happens if she has this operation to remove the tumor and he is unsure about it. She is not, she's wanting to make a mutual decision together, but there is a possibility that afterwards they are going to separate. We're not really sure. Yeah. So, um, Shaman gives me this, like gives us this information, but we still don't have a flying fuck to give about this couple. Like, I don't care if they're together or not. Yeah, we don't know enough about them. We don't have, like, I don't see them, like, with their kids to the point that you're, there's only, like, one moment that they're, like, joking around with the dad, but even then, that that just feels fake. It rings shallow. Yes. The entire, all the relationships in the movie feel surface level. So, therefore, I cannot have a moment where I'm just, like, I hope they don't get divorced, or maybe they should get divorced. Um... Did you feel that the cinematography was hyperactive in this movie? There were some insane decisions made about, like, what to do with the camera. It felt as if they were trying to maximize as much as they could with the little that they had. Well, there was just those, like, moments where, like, the camera is tracking and then it'll, like, zoom in on someone and then zoom out. Okay. And then move on to the next part. I'm like, why? It's like as if like time is quickening, but we don't know what the fuck is going on. It's just, I feel like when I first watched M. Night Shyamalan movies, I got the sense that he understood the language of cinema very well. You look at the success of Unbreakable. Somewhere along the line, it feels like he no longer knows how to communicate through film any longer. Or he's communicating in a language that is so alien. It just feels as if he's trying to make... 
the new trend, but he doesn't know where exactly that trend is supposed to come from. Like, he's trying to follow found footage and then mix it with old school, but it just does not work. Well, if you look at his career in terms of, like, segments, there's, like, from The Sixth Sense to probably Lady in the Water Mm -hmm. is the sort of early Shyamalan. Yeah. Where he is very Hitchcockian, but also modern. Not everything hits well. And he's very twist-reliant. Then we have, like, Avatar The Last Airbender and After Earth. Yeah. Where it's, like, big-budget Shyamalan. And if you didn't tell me he had directed those movies, I would never have pegged him as being a director. They're so different. (coughs) But I think, like, the complete failure of Avatar The Last Airbender did something to him. Mm -hmm. Psychologically. Because then we get um, Split... Yeah. We get The Visit, we get Glass, and now Old, if I remember correctly. Yeah. And, oh, the, the Happening was also, that would be in there with After Earth, like that period, that sort of mm-hmm. mid-Shyamalan, where that was him almost trying to go back to what he did before, but didn't work. But these last few movies, I know the last, uh, I think he's Blumhouse has been his producer since The Visit. Yeah. And it definitely feels like he's trying to carve out his own niche within that Blumfield, James Wan, new horror thing, which I find to be a very bland uh, type of horror film. Yeah. Uh, And he's trying, like, I admire the hell out of him for trying to provide some, like, stylistic flourishes, but I do not like what he's doing. And I almost think if, instead of casting primarily dramatic actors, he employed comedic actors... Yeah. I think it might add layers well, to it, the performances that, that these don't have. I mean, it's that, and it also makes me wonder what type of director is he? Mm-hmm. So, like, we recently watched a YouTube... Uh, with Maggie Mae Fish. Which I thought was, like, this yeah. amazing analysis of Kubrick versus David Lynch mm-hmm. within directing. And Kubrick was not the greatest when it came to directing his actors because... He was he very hands-off for the most part. He was... He indirected. He decided to not... He would direct by not directing, which is... It's like he basically just threw them overboard and then let them figure it out. Which is... It was cruel. And then the the video touched upon, like, the cruelty he showed on, like, Shelley Duvall. Yeah. And that was, like, one of the few instances of him actually directly engaging with an actor and trying to, like, shape their performance. And it was, like, a really... And then Malcolm McDowell gave some quotes in the video... That sounded like he did not have a good experience with Cooper. Yes, Peter, so it where did, he basically said he was inhuman. Yes, and so like it was this like a saddening experience, but then they made a huge contrast went towards David Lynch, who like it seems like every woman has had like the best experience when it came to this director, and he tells them to go as far with it as they want to, and oftentimes yes. they go farther than they expect, but it's not because he's pressuring them, and he also makes sure that he speaks to all the male. Um, Actors beforehand. Okay, because he talked. It was um, uh, Arquette, Patricia Arquette, Talk. told the story about Lost Highway. It was the first film she'd ever been nude in, and she told David that she was very uncomfortable. And right before she did her scene, he took the actor aside, and she said, "I don't know what he told him, but he said when he came in, he just gave me this like completely pure look of like I can see that you're nervous. I understand." Well, he's like, "I'm so sorry. I have I'm so to sorry that we have to do this, this kind of a thing." And, like, and she said that made her feel so much better. About like, it. it just made her feel safe. And yeah. so it makes you wonder, 
Like, and then Alex Wolf had talked about having trauma of um, from hereditary. Hereditary, and it made you wonder, like, w- it makes you wonder, like, with uh, with M. Not Shyamalan, like, what? How is that being directed by him? Yeah, because I I don't see either of those styles. Because it's I think like, he's asking them for something because they're definitely delivering a type of. Performance. So here's like the biggest scene that stu- has been stuck to my brain. It's not the ending. It's not the beginning. It has to do when, like, what you're having, you're having a six-year-old give a birth to a child, and Alex Wolf's character is like screaming at his parents who are trying to hold him back from being around her as she gives birth, and he's telling them, "I love her, and I'm going to marry her," but it sounds like a child saying it. You know, like when you tell a six-year-old, like. Uh, hey, you can't marry your cousin. (laughs) Or maybe this, like, you can't marry a Disney character. And it just, it just was terrible. I'm glad you pointed out, because I, it seemed like the performances of the children becoming adult actors changed scene by scene. Sometimes they talk like they were kids. Sometimes they talk like they were adults and they had a full comprehension with their parents of what was going on. And so the, those inconsistencies in performance choices undermine the whole thing. Yeah. Uh, and I read the graphic novel that this is based on. And we'll, we'll, here we're going to talk about the ending before we finish up our review here. But the uh, graphic novel never explains what's going on. Yeah. <clears throat> and so in turn, the graphic novel becomes this sort of fantasy science fiction metaphor for how people do not realize what the, the, how much passes so quickly in their lives before they're dead. Yeah. And so, like, the graphic novel doesn't spell that out, but if you're, you know, a nuanced, thoughtful reader, you read the graphic novel, and you're like, oh, when you look at the way the adults were talking at the beginning, the way they weren't really paying attention to the kids in the graphic novel. And everything was about time. Like, it was... <laughs> and so, it was, I'm talking about the graphic novel. Yeah. And so it's like, oh, you know, we let these things slip through our hands. You get to M. Night Shyamalan's version, and spoiler, the ending of the movie reveals that the beach is this secret location that is owned by a pharmaceutical company who actually is running the whole resort. Yes. And they will find people who have recently been diagnosed with, like, chronic or fatal illnesses. Because through their medication. Through their, yeah, when they get medications, they will contact them with this free voucher for a trip. It shows up on the back of the paper of their prescription. Yeah, of the receipt. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a CVS kind of thing. And so when they will serve the people cocktails, the and so they'll give the whole family something to drink, but the sick person gets a cocktail that includes an experimental drug for that particular illness. Yes. Then they send them off to the beach where they will be hyper-aged, which means it's like a fast um, clinical trial. And it's supposed to be, they, they just, they don't know how this beach works. They're just taking advantage yeah. of the beach. And so it becomes, and so at the end of the movie, uh, the brother and sister from Gail Garcia Bernal's family are the only survivors. They're full-grown adults, and they are they manage to escape. And how do they escape? I'm not, not well, that's for the view, <laughs> the listener to go find out. And then they're like, oh, we exposed this thing, and they're immediately believed, and they just so happened they found a journal on the beach from a previous person who had been like a science fiction author who had written down some conjecture about what was going on and detailing the experience. Well, they managed to grab that on their way out, and then they turn it over to the cop that the little boy met at the beginning of the movie, and it's like, 
The world just accepts that this is a thing now. The end. Yeah, and like on their on their way back in the holo- like helicopter, they're like, "Hey, your uncle's waiting for you at home." And they're like, "How will I tell?" But, a- is it, I don't think our uncle is expecting two fifty year olds. No, to the plane or like it's supposed to be. How do you tell like your fifty year old uncle that your niece and nephew are now like close in their sixties? Yeah. And that's the like, and that's like a joke kid, line. and it's a joke, and you're just kind of like, okay. So it yeah, like I would say, I feel like this is as a 45 minute to one hour long like Tales from the Crypt, uh, Twilight Zone episode, fine. But a two hour movie with it was two hours. Yeah, it was hour and 58 minutes. Yeah, so just under the two hour mark. Oh my god! And like that, it's it's not his worst movie. It's definitely, I would say, like, lower middle of the pack. Yeah, but, like, towards the end, <coughs> the two main, like, adults, their parents, they die on that part. And it's supposed to be, like, she had been cheating on him, but he had forgiven her because he saw the text messages, and... There's just too many things going on. There's too much going on, and And it's, none of it develops the characters. And it's also, like, this weird thing that you're telling me this as if, like, time has passed and he's already forgiven her... During that time on the beach, that's what well, it, time has passed. But like, that's what it, they make it see, make it feel like, and it's supposed to be like they decide after all this awful shit that they want to be together, so they get to die together on that beach. But it was a, it was not good. I would say, uh, M Night Shyamalan is very comfortably settling into being a sort of mid tier director, making films no one's probably really going to yeah, remember. Yeah, like B rated films. They'll be. Um, very there'll be little like flourishes that are interesting but you're never going to have a film that i feel like is as well crafted as like the sixth sense or unbreakable or i even give it to sign even the village at least there was like a tone and a consistent atmosphere established yeah so that that world has a feel the worlds he creates now they don't have a feel there's nothing they're just they feel hollow and commercial to me they just don't feel like honest and it's just it's really gross so those were our thoughts on m night Shyamalan's old if you have thoughts you would like to share just look in those show notes or comment on the blog we look forward to hearing from you